Welcome to the Rotten Round Table. <laughs> What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast. This is episode number 94 and it is a Rotten Roundtable episode. These are the episodes where we just sit around the Rotten Roundtable and talk about horror. We talk about what's going on in the news feed. Uh, Sometimes we talk about what's coming up and we also talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, Old movies, new movies, any of that. If we've been watching it over the last couple of weeks, we're going to talk about it. Uh, I am one of your hosts tonight, Mark Nato, and uh, I'd like to invite Taminator to join the roundtable. What's up, Taminator? Hello, you guys. I'm very happy to be here, as I personally feel like I am really bringing the movies tonight. Oh, you're bringing the fire. I am, yes, bringing the fire. Okay. How many did you watch? I think... Is it, is it not really about quantity, but quality? <laughs> yes, and yes. And I think it, there's about seven of them. But, I, okay, I've given up on trying to do the new movies because you've got that covered. You completely <laughs> kick my A in that department. <laughs> I give up. Like, I'm waving the white flag already. So I do the deep dives and try to find some stuff nobody's talking about. That's good. That's good. We need that. We need that on the horror cast. All right, and let's uh, bring in Revenant Vin. What's up, Vin? What's up? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to play catch up still. So <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's okay. About it. Uh, I welcomed Heather Powell into the Century Club today. She she got to a hundred movies, uh, two, 2020 movies, and I was like, proud of you, proud of you out there, Heather. And Scott, <laughs> you need to get your behind in gear and catch up. So where where are you at right now, Vin? Uh, I'm in the 60s. In the 60s, that's the, that's pretty good for you. Better than last year, honestly. Oh yeah, you're already <laughs> on a on a record-setting pace. What about you, uh, Tammy? You know what? I have not been keeping track. Sure. I have no idea. I, I'm almost positive it's probably around the same. As, I mean, you you're you're doing. Uh, you you still watch all the new stuff that you can get a hold of. I know you yep. do. Yeah, you just I, you just wave the white flag when it comes to trying to bring it to <laughs> yes. the table. I know. I know. Well, I know better than to show up here with them because you've already got that covered. So I got to find something else. Yeah, Yeah. it's my specialty. I know. (laughs) Just kidding. Oh man, I'm I'm looking forward to. I got 25 movies left until I hit 400 for the. Oh my god. Yep, 25. I was at 375 with these ones that I watched. So it's only July. I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, they're the ones that keep putting them out. Now, of course, I do talk about um, that. I watch a lot of foreign horror, you know. So it's this is not. A lot of people think, well, there's not been 375 horror movies that have come out in 2020. Well, yeah, yeah, there have. Um, you just don't necessarily have to dig for it, you know. Uh, when you're talking about iTunes and Prime and Tubi and uh, you know video on demand on your TV. Uh, 
And then, of course, because we don't have the theater, you know, people are like, well, no movies are coming out. Well, yeah, they are. They are. But uh, unfortunately, we're not getting as many theater releases this year. It's just the way it is. Uh, So let's just step right into the news feed. The news feed. The big news item was this past week it was uh, revealed that Halloween Kills is bumped to October 2021. Anybody else not see that coming? Mm. I, I I didn't see it coming because I was thinking that the theaters were getting back to normal and and open, but I guess this second wave, or I don't know if they say if we're still in the first wave. I don't know what it is. It depends on what part of the area you're in. Yeah, yeah, like where I'm I'm at. Yeah, where I'm at in my county, we've just got hardly any cases. It's it's like uh, I I feel like we're in a standstill. Yeah, I think my state's one of the lowest right now. So yeah, so I don't know, but yeah, Halloween Kills has been bumped a year. Um, I, I just don't know how theaters are going to be able to open if things aren't going to get released. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they're all going to have to turn into like you know retro theaters or something, or you know. Yeah. Well, all the uh, theaters around here—that's what they're doing. They're fu- which is great. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But they're full of 1980s movies right now. Yeah, Which is fine. Great. Like you said, it's fun. <laughs> but, I mean, eventually, that's going to wear off and people are going to want new movies. And if you're scared to release it, then I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to happen. Hopefully, um, hopefully 2021 is better. Because what I'm feeling now is pretty much any horror release that's slated for the rest of this year. It's not going to happen. Well, I think Stranger Things got bumped indefinite, indefinitely. Did I they, mean, well, you know, it's probably, it's that was probably because of their um, schedule, their production schedule. Yeah, I think yeah, their think production was halted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that's understandable, but a lot of these movies that are being um, pushed, they're, they're done. You know, Halloween Kills is done. Oh, is um, it? Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's coming out in October, that movie's done. You know, there there might be kind of weird then. Yeah, unless they're just so you know, it's got to come out in October. Well, they're thinking about money. You know, they're thinking it's okay to sit on it. We've invested this much money into it. We we have a target of making as much money back as possible, uh, and we think that you know, October two thousand twenty one is a better shot. They don't really care (laughs) that people who have been waiting on it, you know. Uh, are, are going to be disappointed. That's just not their their game. But I, I, I'm just going to say right here. I, I think Saint Maud. I think Antebellum. I think Antlers. I think um, uh, what Candyman. All, all that stuff not coming out this year. It's just not going to come. It, it, it's going to get pushed to next year. That's what I think. So. Well, I'm sure some of the numbers have started to come back from like you know like Universal that released their stuff at twenty dollars a pop for you know to watch at home and maybe yeah. it's getting word out there that it's not doing as well as well, they were hoping. At the beginning of this whole thing they released Trolls World Tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it did, did and, great, didn't it? Well it made more than it than the predecessor did at the movies. But that's when pretty much everybody in the world was stuck at home. 
Yeah. Uh, things have started to open back up and people are back to work. And, and so yeah. I don't see people consistently paying that kind of money for no, new films. No. I think that was kind of like a, oh my gosh, the kids are bouncing off the walls. Right. And people have been stuck Please, just, just rent trolls. We'll <laughs> yeah. deal with Bill when it comes in. But I, I honestly, what I would love is if it was like, okay, you know, like it's $20 for this movie, but $5 goes to the theater of your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that would be a great, <laughs> yeah, a great plan. I would, I would gladly pay that kind of money if I yeah. knew that, you know, I was basically donating to a local theater to keep them alive. Yeah. Um, but I just hate those prices because they're basically pocketing the money that theaters would have gotten for popcorn and everything else. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I just, I, I, I'm pretty resentful of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm just you getting, know what? Or that getting or worried. If they, like you then owned the Blu-ray when it came out because they would still make money, yeah. you know? I'm just getting worried. Like, what what are theaters going to be able to do? Um, you know, are they going to be able to survive by just playing, you know, '80s movies and and that sort of thing? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, come 2021, are there going to be any theaters to for these movies to come out with uh, in? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you can't you can't run a business when, when you don't have a product. <laughs> you know, and and I think that we're really in trouble uh, unless something something drastic happens. But well, uh, yeah, and the theaters around me; these are mom and pop theaters, you know, with five or six screens. And when Landon and I went to Jurassic Park, um, it, we paid fifteen dollars to see that, and the concessions were quite high priced. Yeah, yeah. well, they got to do something to to stay in business. They still have to pay for those movies to show them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can only allow half the people into the theater because of social distancing and everything else, I mean, what are the chances of you being able to make the money back yeah. that you just invested in showing that film? You know, it's yeah. I, I think Hollywood, the Hollywood system needs to change. That's I think what a lot of it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's enough of that. We'll we'll see. But like, like I said, Halloween Kills bumped in, and pretty much my thought is everything else is going to get bumped too because that's that's like the first domino to fall. I think yeah. so. Um, second thing that has been in the news just came out the other day is Scream Factory announcing the Friday the 13th uh, box set release. Did you guys take a look at that? I, I did. Yep. Uh, anybody uh, besides Walshy uh, <laughs> already um, go ahead and order uh. it? I, I don't. Uh, no. I don't have the income for that to, either. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I think the posters are cool. But my favorite Friday Thirteenth films are like you know I love the second one, the first one, especially Part Four. Those movies I don't think are enhanced by Blu-ray. Yeah. You know, you can see the you can see the the makeup more. You can see the imperfections. I want those movies grainy. Um, yeah. I I don't want that big upgrade necessarily i i prefer yeah. like dvd quality tops um so e- even you know if obviously if i if i could get the set i would get it but i i'm not i'm not upset that i can't yeah. you know pull the trigger on that i mean i'm probably gonna get it i remember paying 120 dollars for the halloween set that came out several years ago mm-hmm. uh and granted i'm a bigger halloween fan than i am friday the 13th but it, it it's right behind Halloween for me. I love Friday the 13th. This is um, all 12 films on Blu-ray together for the first time ever. First time ever. Um, 16 discs. Uh, this is through Scream Factory or Shout Factory. 
and it's got a really sweet looking box with uh i'd love for them um to do like a gigantic poster i know there's a poster that's 24 by 36 is that poster um and i would like an even bigger poster than that i don't know if they would uh and they're doing a 36 by 24 lithograph uh i don't what is what's a lithograph what is that that's not a a regular poster is it or is it like kind of like higher quality or something higher quality, yeah yeah, yeah like i don't know i don't think i've ever owned one yeah <laughs> so there's two things you get two you get a um a 20 20 36 by 24 lithograph and a 24 by 36 40th anniversary poster um there's tons and tons of special features i mean crazy man uh, a lot of this some of this stuff has already been out on um blu-ray and dvd in the past like some of the commentaries and all of that but uh there's there's tons of new stuff uh brand new and let me see two discs at the end uh yep two two discs at the end disc 15 is just a bonus disc and so is uh 16 and all that is is just i mean a brand new interview with composer harry manfredini uh new location featurette on parts one and two and more to be announced it said so i mean there's if you're a friday the 13th fan this is it See, that's, is, that location feature for part two is what I'd like to get my hands on. Yeah. Because that's right up the road from me. So. Yep. Uh, so this, this, is, uh, this is the thing that you've been asking for, right? I mean, this thing has, has been wanted for quite a while. So I, I think they're limiting this to 13,000. Um, it'll go. Yeah. I think it'll be sold out pretty, pretty quick. Uh, I am going to order it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, to order it before it gets sold out I, but i better because then it's gonna jump to five hundred dollars yeah yep um oh yeah I, i'm looking at the pictures now the the lithograph that thing is sweet that's what the that's what the box is with all the different jasons and stuff uh that artwork is so sweet and i wanted to say uh the artist is devin whitehead uh man really really good stuff and then the 40th anniversary poster is Alice getting um, pulled into the lake by mm. young Jason. Oh, yeah, yeah, so it's great. Yeah, they both look great. So I'm looking forward to that. If you, um, oh, and just wanted to let you know, uh, here's what their update is as of the 13th. Originally, we set the site offer at 1,313 posters and lithographs, but to make sure that the incredible de- demand for this set is met, we have increased that to 7,000. Okay. Wow. So only the first 7,000 are going to get these, the poster and the lithograph. Okay. If you're, if you're order number seven, 7,001, you ain't getting it, baby. <laughs> All right. So just letting you know, just letting you know. And the last thing, uh, just a, a real quick update is they announced a third season of last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs coming yeah. to shutter. And they also announced a summer special coming in August. So have you guys been watching those? Religiously. Yeah. Um, I haven't been keeping up with it, but yeah, I mean, I keep up with what they're playing, what what he's playing and, and all of that. But, uh, you know, that, that's to me, that's um, something I need to go back and, and watch. Like when I have time, like Friday nights are, are busy for me. Cause that's when it comes on. Right. Usually yeah. Friday, Friday at eight. Well, eight my time. So nine your time. 
Yeah, and a lot of the movies that he shows, of course, I, I've seen. So yeah. it's like, man, I gotta. Not that I'm not a rewatcher. I, I am a rewatcher, but I'm, there's there's only so much time I have to rewatch. But I will eventually get to those because I like I like his um, personality. I like his uh, uh, his humor, and I like all the little stats and stuff that they they put up. So his knowledge is just insane. You know, it's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, and I've heard he's a good guy. I've heard he's yeah. you know guy that likes hanging out with his fans, and he's not he's not a he's not a douche nozzle like some <laughs> like some. But all right, okay. Well, that's all the news. When we uh, get back from our break, we're gonna go around the rotten round table and talk about what we've been watching. Hey, love horror movies? Yeah, so do. Handpicked by experts, psychos, demons, ghosts, the occult, zombies, killer kids, black magic, vampires, Shudder kills, Netflix on selection, screams on demand, Shudder.com. All right, we are back and we're ready to go around the Rotten Roundtable and talk about what we've been watching. And we're going to start this week with Revenant Vin. Vin. I know you've been playing catch up, but you've watched a couple of uh, new, uh, newer things that we haven't discussed yet. So why don't you bring one up right now? Yeah. So one of them, I know that you would watch because you had posted about it on Facebook, uh, but that's the new Shutter exclusive, 2020's uh, The Beach House. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you were kind of maybe lukewarm at best on it. Um, well, I really thought that uh, Sandra Bullock. And Keanu Reeves were great in it. Oh, wait a minute. That's the lake house. I'm sorry. Um, that was a really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I did see it, um, I think, the day that it that it came out. And I, I felt like it was like 30% of a good movie. Um, <laughs> I, I thought there were – I kept waiting for it to – you know, uh, have a better impact for me. My wife watched it with me, which is, you know, not normal. She doesn't normally watch horror movies with me. And she was kind of getting a little antsy, getting a little bored. Um, like when's something going to happen? So I don't know how to feel about it. Cause I think the parts that I liked about it, I really liked about it, but I think they, they made a couple of, uh, errors, uh, that could have, you know, if they if they'd have remedied those, it would have made a, a better viewing experience. What, what I know you liked it better than me, so what'd you think? Yeah, I did. Um, I it's it's a little bit of like a, the color out of space, but with microbes. Um, I like it. this is a movie. It does it slowly ramps up, and I do say slowly, but it does so continuously, and I don't feel like it ever plateaus. It's just always kind of turning that screw. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some good body horror. Uh, I saw IMDb. They listed it as a drama mystery. <laughs> uh, but this is definitely a horror film, um, especially in the second half. And, I, you know, it, there's there's certain things that I think you could pick apart. Um, on the surface, it's kind of overly convenient to have an astrobiologist as a main character. Mm-hmm. Because this is basically about, you know, a group of four people at a beach house. And there's kind of something in the water something incredibly old um, that's released. And, you know, she just so happens to have the expertise. But honestly, um, yeah, it starts affecting them and changing them and things like that. But I think that it was actually incorporated smoothly enough that I really didn't mind it. Um, And I've seen complaints online that 
uh, with the relationship stuff in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. that that stuff is boring, that it takes too long for the horror to start. But I honestly kind of have to disagree. Uh, I, I found that stuff, I thought it was well done. Um, it was engaging enough for me, but also the way that I was seeing it was that the film is about life. It's about the beginning, middle, and end of life, um, both kind of on this cosmic level and on a personal level. And each character was kind of representative of a different approach or attitude towards life. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the main character. She's kind of, she's young. She's driven. She knows exactly what she wants to do with her life. Her boyfriend, though, he's kind of like, he's drifting. He's directionless. He doesn't know what he wants out of life. And he kind of prefers to hide from it, either Mm -hmm. in the beach house that they're in or kind of in his own head through drugs, it seems. Um, But then they, they end up kind of hanging out at night with this older couple and um, the older husband, he's his approach. He's kind of consciously focused on just a few things that make him happy, mm-hmm. and you know he the things that he can gain some sort of control and satisfaction over. Um, and he'd rather really not contemplate the big stuff. And the way things go, you know, I don't want to get spoilery, but he may not have been intending to go on much longer himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have his wife, who is looking at the end of her life. You know, she's at her final days, and she's kind of admiring of the young woman. Our main character, her determination, her fascination with life. She wants to enjoy her last weekend before kind of meeting that darkness. So Mm -hmm. we have all these different conversations going on about what do we want in life? Where is life taking us? Where did life take us? Uh, And then you have the other level of, you know, life on Earth and life on other planets. And I I just kind of like that. I mean, it was um, that take. And I thought that the relationship stuff in the beginning helped to actually facilitate and foster that in a pretty good way. Because um, it's yeah. also kind of about how the beginning of life can also destroy life that was already present. Mm-hmm. And that final scene, I think, is what what's key there, what she's saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, you wanted to say something? I mean, I I, I do agree that um, I, I did like the, the character stuff at the beginning, the relationship stuff. I thought it's necessary. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, get to the horror within five minutes, okay? Because that, there has to be a reason to, to care to give a crap about any of these characters. And I thought that the acting was, was done well. The, um, uh, I, I guess the, the writing was pretty good. I, I just think it went on just a little bit too long. Just, I mean, just a hair. Like I, I think it was a good half hour to 40 minutes until, until anything really happened. I think till any obvious horror happens. Yeah. It's probably yeah. like 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. And there's like clues and weird stuff going on in the oh, beginning. Yeah. But but I think, you know, if they'd have, if they'd have started that up at around twenty five minutes, I think twenty five minutes would have been you know, plenty. Uh, because I'm just telling you, my, my wife, like I I I'm used to slow burn movies. I love them. I'm gonna talk about a couple of them here tonight that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um but man, it, it's like I, I, she was checked out <laughs> at like twenty minutes. <laughs> so like the normal uh, moviegoer, I think, is not gonna not gonna make it <laughs> through it. But that's and and Vin, you're not the normal moviegoer, buddy. I mean, you're you're you know a, a oh, little yeah, no. people's yeah. mileage will vary. Yeah, for all of so, these things. I mean, it, one of the things that I've thought a lot about this week as I was watching films is how much subjectivity plays a role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one person's great horror film is another one's snooze fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched a lot of horror comedies <laughs> also mm-hmm. in the past week, and 
mileage and will vary and you know subjectivity plays a huge role in how much you will enjoy certain horror yeah. comedies. So but yeah. I'm telling you that this one really impressed me when it started getting going. Uh, but it like I don't think they took it there like where they should have taken it or could have taken it. Like the fact that like the whole town was already affected, right? Uh, we don't, because they get there, they get there and they're like, Oh, looks like we got the whole town to ourselves. I think that's because the whole town was already affected. That's what I think. But I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily what happened. I mean, I think they were just there in the off season. Yeah. Um, and most people weren't there, but over, I think that the the rest of the town started catching on that things were wrong before they did. Yeah, uh, but you know they go to from house to house looking for help and stuff, and and uh, you know you see w- really one other person like crawling yeah. around, the, and I'm like, okay, why couldn't we have seen more people, and why couldn't they have been more menacing, um, you know, more of a threat? And then we see we do. I, I'm going to give him credit, man. There was a really good creature. Yeah, uh, that she sees, and I'm like, oh man, that is really well done. It was practical, um, and then it, you see it for like two seconds, and you don't see anything like that again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that that would be, and that was what was drawing me in. Like, just like Cronenberg, like body horror, like uh, you know. And, and they never really went there with it, except for small glimpses. Of it, and I would have liked that, but I understand that's you know they had a a smaller budget, I think, and and I, I was glad yeah. that they did give us what they did give us, and I and I do like the stuff is in the water, but the stuff was in the air too, right? Uh, the stuff was coming out of the water, and out into of the, the air. water, but in yeah. it, and it was when airborne. it was misting, yeah, and I did like the the whole um, like you were talking about color out of space aspect, like when they woke up and everything was kind of like purple. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a, a one. And what are those? What were those things that came up out of the water? Is that? You I know, guess it was like the water? microbes that were being released, and they were coming out in the steam and or the mist or something like that. No, like when she, when when she was laying there. And oh, she, I know what you mean. She goes into the water to to find out, you know, what happened to this guy. You know, with no spoilers there. And she's coming back out, and she. Yeah, cuts herself she or something. Steps on cuts top her. and stuff. Yeah, and then all lined up on the beach are like these. I don't know. They were like big. They look like big pods or uh, yeah. something like that. Is that what this stuff was coming out of? Or I don't know. I don't know if it was something that was being changed into that, or it was something that was being released. Um, I mean, that's actually one of the things I kind of like about the movie is that it doesn't explain a lot of stuff. We only know mm-hmm. as much as the character does. Yeah. Um. You know, but it's really cool imagery. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. It doesn't. It's not like a balls to the wall film at all. Um, you know, but it, it's overall. You know, I enjoy the theme and the treatment of it. I like the acting, the horror that was present. I really liked, and I thought that last scene kind of stuck the landing for me. Yeah. Um, I really liked how they finished the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's you know, it, like you said, it's. I don't think they were playing with a lot, you know, uh, but I think that it's a small film that is handled with intelligence and care. And I think it uses the resources it has in kind of smart and intriguing ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's not going to, you know, it, people can't go in expecting, you know, <laughs> a body horror fest or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think that again, it, it'll depend on the person, how much they want to deal with, 
you know, relationships in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like yeah. that. I mean, this isn't like a number one film of the year for me, but it's, it's high on my list. You know, yeah. um, I, I did enjoy it. I, I, I was really impressed. This is definitely, you know, for the time, you know, with this COVID going on, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's really, uh, I think, uh, something I read said it's, it's about a monster you can't outrun. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it really speaks to the moment that we're in. And I, you know, I, I hate to say that I didn't like it. I, I did like it to a certain extent. I guess I was just wanted to like when, it more. Well, I wanted to like it more. And whenever I watch a horror movie with my wife, like it better be doggone good because if it's not she looks at me she looks at me and like what are you doing this with your time for it happens a lot of times we'll all catch wind that like there's supposed to be like a really good horror film Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay like if this is going to be a really good one i should wait to watch it with my wife Mm -hmm. you know so that you know at the end of the year she's definitely seen the best ones a lot of times we'll watch that film and i'll kind of be like uh Sorry, you know. So then, <laughs> then there's other movies where I don't, I don't think I'm gonna get anything out of, and I'm like, eh, I'll just watch this one on my own. And I'm like, that was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm constantly kind of like, I feel like I'm screwing her over all the time with. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to, to know, but when something comes out on Shutter, you, you have certain expectations. Um, yeah, and there were there were some, you know, critics or some. I guess they were more like taglines that were kind of really hyping this movie. Um. Uh, about the body horror and everything and it just what was there was excellent and it wasn't as much as i thought it was going to be but i'm so uh, tired of the taglines as it is yeah i'm so done too especially Um, like i think it was just last week or earlier this week dread central was doing a whole nother thing of like you know people can't finish this thing on netflix because it's so scary like shut the hell up with that stuff man i don't know i don't know who you're trying to you know, real in. Yeah. I'm <laughs> with sorry. Those sorts of it things. doesn't, um, for those of us who watch horror on the regular, it, none of that makes no. any taglines should just go right through yeah, us. Matter of fact, <laughs> if you say something like that, I'm all, I'm automatically going to dismiss it and be like, Oh, well, they're trying to push this for some reason. But yeah. did you know that this film, uh, the beach house was, was filmed in your neck of the woods? Uh, it was Massachusetts no- or something, wasn't it? North Truro, Massachusetts. So yeah. not not. I mean, it's New England. It's not right right there in Connecticut, but I it bet reminds you, me of parts of like Southern Maine that I've been in. And I bet you you could yeah. drive to it, sit right there on that beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, no. Don't do it. <laughs> Sammy, did you watch this one yet? No, I haven't watched okay. it yet, but I'm very intrigued. Just listening it's, to you guys. It's so. worth a watch. It's worth a watch. Yeah. I, I I will say that. Uh, and I, I liked the lead actress, Liana Liber- Liberato is her she name. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was, was very I thought everybody was actually pretty good. Yeah, the boyfriend was pretty good too. But he um, was he was dead weight, you know. I will say today, I think I, I do think that a lot of the movies that I'm gonna bring up, um, we might have a lot of disagreements over. <laughs> we might, uh, but uh, that's all right. It, it's like I said. I, I feel like the theme of this this episode is definitely going to be subjectivity. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, we're gonna roll over to <laughs> Taminator, and she's got a doozy for you. <laughs> all right, um, I'm gonna roll in with President Wolfman. President Wolfman. President Wolfman, hail to the teeth. Now, 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Is that is that really the tagline? But I wasn't gonna say because you guys just accentuated taglines. And you were you were just really that was a real theme song you were Yes, it was. So this uh, I'm looking is- President Wolfman theme song written by M. Davis, performed by Where the Wolf. <laughs> it's very black exploitation uh, okay. sounding, looking. Um, okay, so this is a horror comedy political satire. And I had to look this up, but this is something called a green movie. And that means it was made entirely from recycled stock, public domain film footage. And footage pulled from over 100 grainy government instructional films, classroom (laughs) educational movies, vintage stag films, and feature films that have fallen out of copyright. Mm. And so what they do is, I cannot imagine the amount of time it must take to edit something like this together and make a movie out of it. But they do it. And then there's, you know, there's actors and actresses, just like in a normal movie that you just hear their voice that they kind of dub over all these scenes that they somehow make into an intelligible movie. And the story behind it is the president named John Wolfman (laughs) is bitten by a werewolf and is loose on the streets of Washington on a killing rampage. He's a politician, a single father, and now suspected of a series of murders on Capitol Hill, where the House and Senate are trying to sell the United States to China to be known as Chimerica. (laughs) All all, while not... So he's doing these killings, all while trying to not disrupt the Miss USA team beauty pageant and to still be a good father to his son and to stop the House and Senate from passing the legislature that would allow China to Mm -hmm. buy us. Now, it is as crazy as it sounds, and I do have to put like a disclaimer. This thing is so offensive. Like if, if you are offended by anything at all, if you are any color of the rainbow, any orientation of the rainbow, you're you're gonna get made fun of. But if you can come into it, like if that stuff doesn't really bother you, like I saw myself being made fun of along with everyone else. I thought it was so funny and, and I don't have the like I kinda have a hard time with comedy sometimes, but I was laughing through this whole thing and I thought it was just genius the way that this guy did this. And it, it seems like an impossible feat, but he really did splice all of those things I mentioned together and comes up with an actual movie that is so entertaining. It goes by so fast. And if you like, especially if you, all this footage looks like it's from the 70s and like this, like I said, the soundtrack it, and the look of it looks like a 70s black exploitation movie. But there is so much offensive stuff in here. So just be aware of that if you're going to watch it. But even if you don't want to watch the whole thing, just go on YouTube and watch a couple clips or something. Just you can see the genius of this guy and, and what he did making this movie. So, And it was like I found it on Vimeo. I think I found like two or three places that you could rent it from and you have mm. to rent it. No, it's free on Prime. No, it's not. No, 99 cents on Prime. Okay, 99 cents. You guys, it is completely worth your 99 cents. You can buy it. For two ninety nine, so, no. Buy it for two ninety nine. It's worth it. No, it I says, had right, such a good it time. says right here zero 
for Prime, yeah, no, it, a Prime membership. It is Prime. Yep, yep. You can you can oh, watch it for free on Prime. I swear to God, that just happened in the last three days. Then because I was trying to <laughs> look for some place to tell everybody they could watch it, but all right. Well, well now knew. you really have no excuse. Not they knew watch. you were getting ready to plug it, so they were like, "Well, we gotta." <laughs> They're like, "Oh, somebody actually rented this. <laughs> we can <laughs> put it out there." <laughs> so there you have it, President Wolfman. I told you I was digging deep this week, so you certainly are. Yep, certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I'm up, right? So I watched a new film called Relic. Have you guys seen Relic yet? No. Do you want to? I saw that. Like, I the do want to. <laughs> <laughs> and had to make sure there's an older movie called Relic with Mira Sorvino in it. it uh, that's The Relic. Oh, oh, pardon. Yes, the this relic. is just relic. Okay. So when people refer to it as the relic, I get really angry. No, I'm just kidding. I don't get angry. But yeah, it's not the relic. It's just relic. Um, it's uh, a drama horror directed by Natalie Erica James, uh, also written by her and a guy, a girl. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl named Christian White. And it just came out uh, on VOD. So you're going to pay for this bad boy. Uh, it's a quick movie, uh, 89 minutes, and it was distributed by IFC Films. Um, Emily Mortimer is the main character, and also Bella Heathcote is her daughter. And then the matriarch of the family uh, is creepily played by Robin Nevin. So basically what you have here is um, Edna is the elderly and widowed matriarch of the family. She goes missing. And her daughter, um, Kay, and her granddaughter, Sam, come to the family home to try to figure out what happened to her. Um, when they get there, uh, all of a sudden, the grandmother shows back up. But she has no recollection of where she's been. And they're kind of really worried about her. Like, is this dementia? Uh, Kay kind of thinks it's time to put her in a home. She can't handle living on her own. Uh, you know, The father has... has like I said, she was widowed. And then they start to discover a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of Grandma. And, uh, yeah, th this movie is – this is a really, really well-made movie. The acting is really good. The writing is really good. The cinematography is great. The, the, um, the score – we're talking about great sets. The house is great and creepy. And uh, basically, there's there's something happening here that, Vin, I think you would probably figure it out um, pretty quickly. Uh, once it got to the end and the ending happened, I was like, oh, that's, that's what this is. So I, I want to say, like, you know, there, this is a movie where you think one thing's happening, but it's kind of like maybe a like a, an allegory or a, a you know a picture of something else, um, but it it is uh, for just all intents and purposes a what did I say all intents all intensive purposes a um, a horror movie even if you don't figure out what. Uh, Natalie Erica James is is trying to say or trying to communicate. It's a good 
number one, it's a good drama movie. There's a lot of good um, relationship building between the, the three generations of women. And there's also some horrific and creepy stuff happening uh, in this house that that really is is fun to watch. And there's some some good, um, I guess you'd say, practical effects near the end, uh, as as kind of like what what the the, the director is trying to communicate uh, comes forth. So I just wanted to, I definitely want to recommend this. I think it's I think it's worth you know, running on VOD, but, um, I'll see what I can you, do. You had mentioned like allegory. Do you mean like kind of like the Babadook can be seen as an allegory as like, or as a like literal? Yes. Is it that, that's the kind of thing you're talking Okay. Yes, that is correct. Um, but I want you to watch it, you know, and, and let me know what you think. Um, no, no, it's, it's one that I'm eager to watch. Yeah. It, it it's, I know this has been compared to, you know, anytime there's like a, I know this term is offensive or whatever, but highbrow horror or this artsy horror that elevated horror, elevated, whatever you want to call (laughs) it. You know, it's been compared to like hereditary and that those sorts of movies. Uh, It's not, it's not quite there, but you know, I I would say, you know, Babadook level, type of mm. imagery and that kind of thing. So if you like that sort of thing, I think you'll really like it. Yeah. So that is relic. Relic. All right, Vin, you're back up. Um, okay. So I watched a low budget British independent, uh, horror film called the haunted. Um, I guess it was released in the UK last year, but it got released this year in the U S. Um, I saw the DVD actually at Walmart. Um, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it on the DVD, but um, I did see that it's now for sale in the U.S. Yep. Uh, but it's from a guy named David Holroyd. Um, and basically, I mean, he, he wanted to try and figure out how to make a, a low-budget independent film in the U.K., which I guess is difficult. Um, so this is like a single location, very small cast, very, you know, uh, very kind of stripped-down story. Um, but I was really intrigued by the premise. Uh, you have this... She's like a an at-home nurse, um, this young woman named Emily, and she gets a job working the night shift for a guy who's alone in the house who has um, Alzheimer's. So he spends most of the day in bed, you know, most of the night, I should say, in bed. And she's basically there to kind of, you know, make sure that everything's okay and just check on them. And, you know, they come, they're going to come at like 6 o'clock in the morning sort of thing and pick them up. But, of course, the house is, is haunted. Um so she starts seeing things and, you know, doors opening, closing by themselves, noises. And, uh, you know, it's it's very slow, uh, but mm-hmm. I think it does do a great job of giving you a sense of isolation, uh, the creepiness of being in a sh- large, strange house, uh, whether she's kind of bored or frightened. They do a good job of putting you in her shoes. It feels like what you would imagine being in a haunted house is like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, effectively kind of creates atmosphere and tension. Um, so I, I was really hoping that this film was going to do it in the end. Uh, however, it, it, it does start to fall apart, especially in the last like 15 minutes or so. Um, it, it tries to throw a twist in, especially like, during the last two minutes. That was unnecessary and it didn't really work at all. It wasn't set up convincingly. I'm not really sure why they felt the need to go there. Uh, I feel like so many horror filmmakers feel like they need like an M night Shyamalan moment, mm-hmm. you know, it's, but more than often it ends up hurting the film. 
you know, my, I mean, my special pet peeve is when everything is all in their head or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's literally one of the oldest twists in horror cinema and people are not clever for using it all the time. Uh, but, you know, g- give me something, j- just give me a straight up story sometimes. Um, don't try to be clever. And that's kind of what where this one falls apart. It tries to do something, you know, to wow you or make you, you know, drop your jaw or something like that. It just ends up making you scratching your head and being like, what the hell are they talking about? Um, but it, it was... I, I, for a micro budget independent film, I was impressed with what they were doing for the most part. Um, I'm, it's not like a high recommend for me at all, uh, but I know you're going to end up seeing it, Mark. But <laughs> I've already seen it. Oh, you did see this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, what are your I thoughts? I, I didn't like it very much. <laughs> Just, it, it, like you said, <laughs> ultra low budget, really, really slow. Um, mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't even remember the twist. Um, it. I, I probably saw this last year. Um. I would I would recommend this. There's another movie out. It's on uh, Prime, but you have to rent it. It's called An English Haunting. If you want a, a nice haunted house, like an English haunted house movie, mm-hmm. rent that. Or, um, yeah, we can work it out. I think I have a copy. But An English Haunting, it, it's pretty it's pretty good. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm I'm becoming a little bit more forgiving of low budget filmmakers i mean they you do what you can do right yeah low budget doesn't bother me it's mm-hmm. it was the twist it was what they tried doing at the end that ended up bothering me yeah <laughs> no yeah I, like i, I said, was forgiving I for most of it i don't even remember what it was it, it, like they, i said it comes in the last two minutes you can yeah. probably blink and miss it but it doesn't make yeah. sense yeah all right all right taminator back to you <sighs> all right since you guys don't mind low budget I'm going to bring 1981 Roger Corman's Galaxy of Terror. Anybody I've seen never it? Seen, no, I've never seen it. I own it, but I've never seen no, it. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Wow, you guys. <laughs> so, um, it's on HBO Max right now. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of HBO Max. I've been watching mostly just that. But um, so this is produced by Roger Corman, and the production design is okay so this this whole thing is just the most eclectic weird mixed bag of just the weirdest group of people so the production design is done by james cameron and the cast is just crazy so the cast is stars ray walston who you would know as mr hand or my favorite martian it's got aaron moran who was Joni on happy days it's got a very young um Robert England mm. and a very young Sid Haig. And there's actually, you would know everybody that's in there, but I think those are the people you would know by me, you know, saying their name, you'd be able to put a face well, to it. Well, you had me at Aaron Moran. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. Anything that stars Joni, I'm, I'm going to watch. <laughs> and you know what? She's like really seriously cute and uh-huh. really seriously cute in here. Um, so uh, this thing is just weird. I mean, it's really beautiful. I mean, it's definitely a Roger Corman movie. It's definitely a ripoff of Alien, and and they're pretty much, they pretty much admit that. Um, so it's like this group got together and they're like, okay, good producer check, good cast check, gorgeous set design check, awesome '80s effects check. Anybody bring a script? No. Well, that's okay. We'll wing it. You know, it's it's that's kind of where it falls apart. So. And I was reading up about it, and 
like in one of the commentaries on the Blu-ray or whatever from Shout Factory, they pretty much admit that this is like Roger Corman tries to do Alien. Mm-hmm. And the story really roughly is a rescue ship crew meet up with the horrors projected from their own mind at, in like this planet that they end up on. But, I mean, I ended up just like, I gave up on trying to fo- to follow the story and just enjoyed the people and the look and, you know, just, yeah. the, it, it's not very long. It's only like 70 minutes. Um, but even at the end, I was still like, what, you know? Um, but it's, I mean, it's, I would definitely say like, if you're a completist, you should watch it. If any of those people interest you, you should watch it. Um, and it, it's a really beautiful film. And I guess that, um, James Cameron admitted that when he did Aliens, he like actually used some of these set pieces or modeled a lot of his set pieces on this. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a really out of place. It's like it looks like it has a huge budget, and then they just like somebody forgot to write a script for the movie. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a cool idea because each person then is met like with a different monster because it's supposed to be whatever scares you. Um, now there's this, there's a really weird scene where one of the ladies has sex with like this, um, alien worm. Mm. And when they initially released it, it got him an X rating. So they went back in and <laughs> cut it, but it's still enough of it was left in there. You can kind of tell what's going on. So that, that seems a little off putting and weird because mm-hmm. it's pretty just, I don't know, whatever. But I mean, I would, I would give this like maybe a six and it could have been so much more. I mean, everything's there. There's just no story, unfortunately, but I mean, it's a really fun group of actors and they were really, they're trying. I mean, I don't think it's meant to, I know it's a Roger Corman movie, but I don't think they're trying to be a B movie here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they it, it really seems like they had some budget for this and it's just fun to see, you know, a lot of the young, like, see the really young Sid Haig and a really yeah. young Robert England. He looks like he's in freaking high school. So, I mean, I would say definitely watch it if you haven't. And it, like I said, it's not very long, but it, it's not going to blow your socks off or anything. All right. Well, it's, it's almost like a novelty type thing. Yeah, very much so. And yeah. yeah. It says that it was written by Mark Siegler and Bruce D. Clark, who is also the director and i wonder what what else they um i don't know they're not known for a whole yeah so yeah i think uh corman was kind of known for that you know like, yeah. let's kind of fly by the seat of our pants with the script <laughs> you know yeah. at least in his you know his older days but yeah all right all right so that sounds good galaxy of terror all right guys i'm up Sorry, I had to clear my throat, and I didn't want to, you know, do that in the <laughs> be a rube. Um, the next one I have is one that I uh, it, it it's coming out tomorrow, I believe, and I got a, a screener of it, and um, I'm going to send it on to you guys. I just got it uh, yesterday, I think, but it's it's called Ghosts of War. Have you guys heard of this one? Yeah, I heard of it. You haven't heard of this, Taminator? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't think I have. Okay. Well, right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it makes no sense. It's got a 20% uh, tomato meter, but it's got a 71% audience score. So I'm not sure what that means. Um, 
What you have here is uh, five battle-hardened American soldiers are assigned to hold a French chateau. Uh, it's it's a, it's a huge mansion, is what it is, near the end of World War II. Um, they're supposed to go there and just kind of uh, make sure that no Nazis, you know, uh, invade or come in and, and take the place. Uh, for it was formerly occupied by a Nazi high command. This unsuspected. Uh, respite quickly descends into madness when they encounter a supernatural enemy far more terrifying than anything seen on the battlefield. So they get in there and, and you know, the house is haunted. Okay. So, uh, and, and was it the war or was it the, the supernatural uh, entity that drove the Nazi people out of that house? Um, this one is, uh, it was a surprise for me. Number one, I, I really like horror in war. Uh, there's not that yeah, many too. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's a completely different kind of movie, but, um, I loved, um, what was the one just, uh, last year? Oh, come on. Overlord. Is that what you're yeah. Overlord. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. That yeah. was a very comic book type but i loved it but i loved it i loved it um uh this is i'm not gonna say that much because there's a twist to it um like like you said like maybe a m night Shyamalan moment they were looking for um but i i didn't i didn't recognize any of the the main actors i did recognize billy zane who has a small part in this uh, but all five of these actors, all five of these guys that played the soldiers did a great job. Uh, like I liked them. Uh, I believed their camaraderie. I believed, um, you know, that they, they were a, uh, you know, a, a what's it called? A, a, a squadron or whatever platoon they were. Yeah. A platoon, whatever it was. And, uh, I, I liked the haunted house effects, uh, thought it was done really well. There was, you know, a lot of, you know, stuff in the background. That that's that kind of stuff. I love that. That's just what I like uh, when uh, haunted ha- haunted houses are one of my favorite uh, mm-hmm. things in in this uh, genre. So the fact that you've got a World War II movie that just happens to be a haunted house movie <laughs> is is a little crazy. Um, so I, I enjoyed it and I would say, um, I'm just going to say, brace yourself for the twist. There is a twist, but I would definitely recommend this. And it's, 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 um, I don't know. I don't know if it's in the top 10 of the year for me. It's probably in in the top 20 for sure. I enjoyed it and I will, I will watch it again. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not a, um, a guy that is like a military strategist or historian. So I'm not going to be able to say, you know, some people might be able to say, oh, those uniforms weren't, you know, no, I'm serious. People, oh, I know, I know. In war movies and stuff, well, they wouldn't have worn that, you know, and those are the weapons that they were using. They wouldn't have used, I don't know any of that. Uh, it, it just worked for me. Um, I'm not sure if the twist was 100%. Um, believable or if it worked for me but it was it was interesting it was interesting and my wife watched this one with me and she liked this one so oh, ghost of so war good. yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Mark, did you ever see a uh, death watch 
the one with the um um that's not the one with the uh the guy coming home from Vietnam. No, no, that's Death Dream. Death Dream. Um, Death, Death Watch. Watch is from two thousand two. It's a World War One. It's almost I think if I remember correctly, I think it was almost like a haunted trench. Um it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I do remember liking that one. If that's that's probably one that you'd want to check out is if that, you haven't seen it. That's not Russian, is it? No, no. Yeah. You're thinking of Night Watch. Um, Night Watch. No, okay. I, th- I think it's a British film. Uh, it's it's all in English. All right, I'm looking um, at it right now. And what was that one about the haunted submarine? Uh, uh, Subferatu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. There was another pretty decent one about a haunted sub. Um, um, I want I'm, to know, but I don't know. Uh, I'm going to try and look it up real quick if my I'm looking for, I'm looking for Death Watch, watch and I don't see it. Belo- is said, it called Below? Yeah, I think Below was the haunted sub one. Okay. Yeah, Below was Below was pretty good. But I, I think you'd probably like both of those if you if you liked what what it sounds like this film is like. Yeah. All right, let's see it. Death Watch and Andy Circus in it. Uh, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Yep, and then I'm just I'm doing below too. Matthew Davis, Gr- Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, right? yeah. I think that one might be a World War Two one, right? Um, it is. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. yeah, we should do. But, a, uh, I. It's been a long a time since I've seen either of those, but I I did like them. Yeah, I haven't seen either one. We should do a whole uh, either episode or something on on wartime horror. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. especially yes. the trauma of war. Yep, yep. war. Yeah. All right, so that was it for me. Ghost of War. Now let's go back to Vin. Uh, well, I did check out on your recommendation, uh, Silhouette. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from this year, um, I think you would give it a synopsis of it, but it's. Essentially, this this couple who are grieving over the, the death of their daughter, uh, they buy a new house, fully furnished for kind of a new start. Um, but you know, as horror movies go, things are not going well for them. Uh, the The wife is convinced that the house is haunted. Um, the husband is kind of dismissive and um, not always faithful to her. Uh, and you you had spoken really, really highly of this one, right? I think you said it was kind of is really up there for you this year. Yeah, I think I think because I was expecting absolutely nothing from it uh, because it's a it's a low budget type film and it really really impressed me. You see, the the main actress is really good. Uh, you know, she especially her portrayal of grief is mm-hmm. really good, really convincing. Um, it's definitely a drama heavy picture. Yeah, uh, when there is horror imagery, especially in the first half, um, I think it it builds up nicely. It, there's good payoffs. They kind of show just enough to be effective without overdoing it. Um, it it's, you know, it, it, there are certain aspects of the movie though. I think especially in the second half um, that they, they could have trimmed out, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially stuff involving the husband and the neighbor. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene with him and the neighbor at the bar that goes on for a really long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And especially the way the movie ends, you could have cut that out and not even, yeah. Not even noticed. Uh, so it didn't really seem like that stuff was really necessary. So it kind of gives it a little bit bloated. Um, you know, some of the gore was, you know, sometimes the blood looked watery. Sometimes it looked like gelatin. Yeah. Um, there was kind of a, 
I mean, I, I did, I did like the film overall, but the ending I thought was really confusing. Uh, it, it left me with more questions than anything else. I wasn't quite sure what the ghost was showing her and who was doing what sometimes. Um, but you know, I, I thought, I thought it was a decent film. Um, but I think that the, the main actress really carries it for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, I mean, I, I didn't love it. Uh, but I, I thought that they did a pretty good job with what they had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked it. I just, yeah, I see so many, um, movies and I see so many low budget crap fests that when something pops up, I believe this can be seen on uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For free. Uh, it, it, I was like, wow. I just watched a really good movie on Amazon Prime for free uh, that I'd never heard of. It really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So I, I definitely like it more than you. So I think uh, Taminator, I think you need to watch it. I will do. Yep, I know uh, uh, Scott Crawford said he watched it. I don't know if he uh, liked it or not. Yeah, it, this is what impressed me, man. Budget, $25,000. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I, I just thought it was, was really good. So it, I'm, it, it's in my, my top 15 of the year so far. That's just the way it is for me, pal. All right. Taminator. All right. I also found a little gem on Prime for free that I had never heard of. and C- Congressman Vampire. Nope. <laughs> Wrong. Close. <laughs> no. Um, this is called uh, Lost Child. Lost Child. Lost? I don't think so. Uh, I have to look. Let's see. Is it, is it from this year? Uh, 2017. 2017. Let me look. Uh, it's about the. It's based on a folklore of the tattered demalion. Mm, I don't think I've seen this one. Okay. So the so this lead girl, her name is Levin Rambin. I really liked her when I looked her up. She's been in a lot of stuff. I don't and stuff I've seen, and I guess I just didn't recognize her, but I thought she did a really great job in this movie. This also looked like it's probably pretty low budget, um, but that doesn't matter because it only takes place in a cabin and in the woods, and that's all that you need. So um, so this army veteran who this Levin Rambin plays, she returns home to the Ozarks after her father dies, and... They don't really say, but it's presumably, I'm thinking it's to clean out the house or the house was left to her. And also she's going to try to reconnect with her long lost brother. They were, I guess the parents were drug addicts and her and her brother were put into uh, foster care. And I think she was considerably older than her brother and she kind of got out of there and joined the army first chance she gets. So her brother was left alone in foster care and... He's very resentful of her for that. Um, so she's back from the army. She doesn't have a car yet, so she's walking everywhere she goes. And one of the days that she's walking home, she takes a shortcut through the woods, and she sees this little boy uh, who looks like he's about maybe eight years old or so. And it's pretty obvious he's been out there by himself, kind of just surviving in the elements for a long time. He's very skittish. He doesn't want to he like asks her a lot of questions but he won't answer any questions and he doesn't want to be touched he doesn't want her to come near him 
And so she's like, come home with me. You know, I can't. She's feeling like she can't just leave this kid out here. So she takes him back to the cabin, you know, that was her dad's home. And she decides to start looking for his kinfolk, his family. She's thinking he's got to belong to somebody. And as she starts going around the town asking questions, a lot of the locals start saying to her, um, telling her that she is harboring a forest spirit called the Tatterdemalion, who comes disguised as a little boy or a child, really, and kind of sucks the life out of you. And the more time that she, of course, she just poo-poos all this, but the more time she's in the cabin with this kid, and she's only like 20-something, her hair, she started noticing like white hair, white mm-hmm. hairs, um, she starts getting sicker, and, but she's just, she's refusing, you know, she's just straight up like, no, I, I don't believe in that stuff, and then, um, She's at a bar and she meet, she kind of starts flirting with this guy. It ends up he just happens to be a social worker. That's pretty convenient. She's like, oh, hey, I got this, you know, kid at home who doesn't belong to anybody. And, you know, could you take him from me? I don't want to keep him. Or, I, you know, because she wants to just clean her dad's house out and get on her merry way. And so he places her, he, he does find a home to put this kid in, but she feels so much guilt about it that she, like, invites the kid back. And one of the things is, like, kind of like a vampire, the kid has to be invited, but then once he's invited, he can stay as long as he wants. And the movie kind of never really tells you, is he the tattered million or isn't he? Because, you know, it just gives you little hints, like, it could just be, because she wakes up this one time in... He's like holding this rock to her head and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's a healing rock. Well, is it a healing rock or is it because she wasn't feeling well? You know, so is it a healing rock or is it how he's pulling the life out of her? Mm -hmm. You know, she also gets she goes to the doctor and she's like, I'm not feeling good. And um, she's given him or given the doctor symptoms. And the doctor's like, well, you know, your dad was really allergic to some kind of flower that was going on the, growing on the property. And the boy had happened to bring her a large, like, bouquet of these flowers, and they had been sitting on the table. So it's like, was she just having these, you know, cold symptoms because she's allergic to these flowers, or is this kid really sucking the life out of her? And so the, it just keeps going kind of back and forth um, with that, and it's kind of left up to you at the end to decide, you know, is he the tatterdemalion? Or is he not? And, you know, I, and then it just kind of leaves that up to you. So more of a drama, you would say? Drama mystery? But with, yeah, with, yeah. Depending on how you, like, if it'd be a drama mystery if you don't believe he's the soul-sucking vampire kid. Or I guess if you do believe that he is, which personally I do believe that he was, mm-hmm. then it, I guess you could see it. Yeah. Well, it says it, okay. Uh, yeah, on IMDb it says drama, horror, mystery, so it's it's considered yeah, a horror movie. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever seen this one. I think this this one it's, might be it's a really uh, really good, but super slow burn. I'm warning everyone, and the horror is like I said, it's going to be the horror of, you know, is this kid really this forest dwelling creature or not? There's not mm-hmm. like tons of gore or scary or anything yeah. like that but if you don't mind a slow burn and you like like folk lore and stuff like that which i do very very enjoyable and very well acted even the kid was a good actor so and it's free on prime 
I would totally have to recommend it. Sweet. I like the uh, poster art, too. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good po- Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right. Are we back to me? Yep. Alrighty. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I'm going to bring one that just showed up. I don't know if it was just today. Uh, I watched it today on Shudder. Uh, it's a brand new one on Shutter called Lake of Death. Um, anybody heard about this yet? No. Never. Heard it, but haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, if you uh, log on to Shutter, it's the biggest thing that they're advertising right now because I think it just came out today or yesterday or whatever. Uh, it's a Norwegian uh, horror film uh, with English subtitles. So you got to be aware of that. Uh, I kind of like Norwegian horror films. Been uh, doing some good stuff over over the last uh, you know ten twelve years, and this one uh, I really enjoyed. Although I do believe it's going to be divisive. I think a lot of people are going to look at here. Here we go again with these stupid taglines. <laughs> uh, somebody said, "Oh, this is like the Evil Dead meets." Um, I forget what they were saying, but no, no, it's not, not anywhere close to the evil dead. Okay. Uh, what this is, is a group of friends go out to this, um, cabin on a lake. Um, the one girl that they brought with them, she has been there before her family used to go there all the time. And, um, this boy that, uh, she used to, I don't know if they were like in foster care together or something. Uh, he disappeared while they were at the lake. So she's having a lot of hard time, almost like post-traumatic stress syndrome type thing being back here, but things start happening at the house. Um, while they're there, crazy stuff and no explanations. She starts, she starts, uh, sleepwalking. So they're, they're thinking, okay, it's her that's doing all this stuff, but it's not really her. Um, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, cool imagery, man. The, the score and the uh, cinematography in this movie, top notch, top notch, like really beautiful cinematography. Um, uh, I like the effects. There's not a whole lot of effects, but what what they they do show you is, is really good. I like uh, the acting is really good in this movie. Uh, I, I I have to recommend it, man. I really like it, but I can see a lot of people thinking it's just too slow. You know that this is just like a, a really slow burn. You know, but I. Man, I really liked it, and I would recommend it. Lake of Death on Shudder. Yep. So put it on your your list, guys, because it is free on Shudder. So. We're having a lot of lake horror. It sounds like. There's always Lake of the Dead, or you know, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, always. Lakes are scary. I don't know. Yes, why. that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Camp Crystal. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vin, you're up. Um. Yeah, so I'm sticking with Shudder. I did watch what seemed like it was one of the more divisive films of the year, uh, and that's Scare Package. Um, Mm -hmm. A couple of rotten round tables. Oh, there goes the the fart noise. Tammy hated this film with a passion. Um, And then on the last rotten round table, I think, Mark, you and Scott, you were saying how you thought the first half was strong, but then it Mm kind of fell apart. 
Um, and it's, you know, this again, this is about that subjectivity because I, I disagree because I hated the first half. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't until the second half that I actually started enjoying the film and laughing occasionally. Um, you know, it's it's weird. I, I was trying to go back and see how people felt about this. And it seems like it's all over the place. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought the, the opening scene, I just uh, I couldn't laugh. It, it's I, I think a lot of the problem is that a lot of the, the actors kind of lack a certain comedic timing. Mm-hmm. And the editing didn't help. The editing wasn't funny, you know, because so much of it is about timing. And that's partly the editing. Um, yeah, it's like a joke might work on paper, but it doesn't mean it's going to be funny if it can't be delivered right. You know, so it, a lot of times in the movie, especially in the first half, it felt like when somebody tells you they heard a really funny joke, but they screw up when they tell it to you. So, like, you know... W- you get to see how the joke would have been funny <laughs> if it hadn't been yeah. ruined for you. Um, and that's kind of how it felt for me. Like you had the, the first one in the woods. I thought the melting guy was funny. Um, yeah, like, you know, yeah, that was you know, my favorite part. That was the only thing that I laughed at though, was like, you know, keep, you know, you know, you keep your goo on your side. Um, yeah. The, the werewolf one, I didn't laugh at uh, the skull lollipop. Oh my God. That one was, I almost wanted to turn off the movie. I hated that one so much. <laughs> um, I think that, <laughs> Because it, it, it shows the category the movie's in, and it's like postmodern feminist something or something, but it shows it so quickly, I only caught half of it. And I think that I would have had to have rewound it to see what the whole category was to get the joke that they were trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. But I really didn't want to do it. I didn't want to put in that effort. Uh, and it wasn't really until the night he came back again, where they're trying to kill this like slasher villain, that I actually started laughing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that to me was like the turning point, was when the movie kind of got better um, and I mildly enjoyed the rest of it. But yeah, I, it's funny because I had the mildly. opposite reaction. I hate mildly. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't rolling on the floor, um, but uh, you know, I, I didn't well, I wasn't mind watching rolling it. on the floor either. No, no, I'm I, saying I was I just trying I was to hate watching the first half. And then the second half yeah. I was just watching it. I was just trying to, to level it out since uh, uh, Tammy hated it so much. I was like, it can't, it can't be that bad. It wasn't that bad. I, I thought it was decent. Yeah. Yeah. Scare package. All right. Back to Taminator. All right. Um, I'm going back to 1985 for the Toby Hooper directed British horror film life force. Oh, you got to watch a naked woman walk around. I I have, there was lots of boobies, lots of nakedness. Have you seen it, Ben? Uh, no, I've heard of it, but I have not seen this one yet. Um, I now want to see it more. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it was written by Dan O'Bannon, who also wrote, uh, I had to look, Alien, Alien, Dead and Buried, Invaders from Mars, Total Recall, and I, when I was watching, I'm like, okay, whoever was behind Return of the Living Dead is behind this. And sure enough, they were. <laughs> um, it just has like, it, it, it seems like they just got done making one and then they made another one. Um, so the idea here behind this is that Haley's Comet is bringing something evil. And so Haley's Comet came in 1986 and... Between this movie and Night of the Comet, you you know, sometimes they say horror reflects what's going on in society. I guess maybe we were kind of nervous about what it might bring with it. But so the storyline is the crew of um, a joint British and American space shuttle 
find a 150-mile-long ship hidden in Halley's Comet. And inside, they find the hundreds of, like, desiccated alien bat-looking things and then three humanoids. And they bring the three humanoids back to Earth because that's what you do, right? And then once they get them back to Earth, they find out that they are actually a race of space vampires who escape out into London and infect the populace, turning them into zombies. I didn't quite get that part. And then civilization basically collapses. And you can see a little bit of what's going on today in this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's definitely uh, very entertaining. And you want some top-notch 80s special effects this is like the poster <laughs> child for that. I mean, it is so full of it. It's definitely British. It just, I don't even know how to even put into words like what I mean by that. But when you're watching it, you, I think you'll know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very good. It's very 80s. Um, I think it's trying to take itself a little seriously. There's like, it's campy. I think looking at it through 2020 eyes, I don't think they were trying to be campy or anything like that. And there is a heck of a lot of nakedness in it. So enjoy. I definitely yes. recommend it. And, you know, I didn't have to rent it. So I, I th- oh, it's on, it's on HBO Max right now. So not hard to find. Yep. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that, but, uh, that's one of those movies that, uh, as a teenager in the eighties, you were trying to seek out. Yeah. Man, it's just this naked chick walking around all the time, man. Maybe that's why I that's missed it the first time around. Yeah, it I, wasn't your. This was the first time watching back me. in the eighties. Yeah. Um, oh, I did. I did want to mention that um, Lake of Death movie on Shutter is. I don't know if it's a remake. It's uh, inspired by the 1958 Norwegian horror film Lake of the Dead that is supposed to be really good and a classic. So I had never heard of it. So I just wanted to put that out there. All right, Vin, back up to you, right? It's your turn. Oh, is it my turn? What did we do? We did Life Force. You did, What was your last one? Scare Package. Okay. Yeah. Life I have to write them down or forget them. All right. Um, all right. Here, here's a movie that I've been, I've seen this a uh, couple times now because it's a movie that I wanted to like more than I did because I like the, the director, uh, Patty Murphy. And I've, I kind of like the idea he was getting at here. It, it's called The Perished. Has anybody ever heard of it? That sounds familiar. Bueller, Bueller. No, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I was, the Landinator was handing me a Coke. What did you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's called The Perished. No, I have not. Have you heard of it? Is no. this a new it's movie? really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a new movie. Okay. Uh, it, you can get it on uh, iTunes. I believe I first watched it on iTunes. Um, I'm sure it's probably for rent on Amazon. But um, this girl, and this is... Uh, set over in um, I don't know I think it's Ireland maybe Scotland I forget uh, it's been it's been a couple weeks since I watched it but um, Ireland um, I- Ireland but she uh, has an abortion her family disapproves of it and uh, she goes to this 
uh, house out in the middle of nowhere to kind of get away from things. And um, let, let's just say that there is a, I don't know how to even say this without kind of spoiling it, but there are the souls of aborted children uh, oh. trapped in that house or whatever. And there's like a monster that's kind of made up of different baby parts. It's it, the monster is actually pretty cool looking and they want her to be their mother. So <laughs> to me, that sounds like it would be kind of a, a neat thing. Uh, it's definitely a, a, a big anti-abortion. You I was know, just going to uh, ask, is it preachy? Thing. No, no, it's not preachy. What I'm well, saying is the director they, and what and, and the intent behind it is definitely an anti-abortion thing. Uh, yeah. But you can look at it just as a straight horror movie. Um, I, I liked the idea. I thought it could be uh, done much better. So the premise was good. The monster was good. There wasn't enough monster. Uh, there was really horrible sound design that like, you know, that that low budget film sound design where you, you see these people talking and, and their voices sound like they're down a hallway. Yeah. Um, hated that. So I, I think it was well, a well, good idea. Uh, mediocre. I, I gotta I gotta ask you, Mark. Before we are these are these are they aborted children or are they dead babies? Do they um, specify? Well. I, I'm pretty sure they're aborted. Uh, okay, but, but I'm, I'm say in, in Ireland, they, they did used to have like the, the Magdalene sister, like or the, the I forget what they're called exactly. But you know, if a teen got married, got a uh, pregnant at a wedlock, they would often send the girls there. And they have found like that some of these places there are like mass graves of babies. They weren't aborted, but they were basically, you know, like tossed aside. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, it, so I'm wondering it if it might been. be something like that. It could have been, and I and I just missed it. Yeah, so um, it, it might, it's possible it's not anti-abortion. It might actually be against the way that it was actually the Catholic Church and what they were doing back could, then. Um, could so it be. could be something more related to that. Could be. And, well, that's how that's how mediocre the production was. The production okay. values. Is <laughs> I watched it twice, and I just kind of had a hard time getting through it. Um, I don't know. So you don't really recommend it in the first place. <laughs> it's 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 a film that probably deserves to be um, watched. Let, let me um, yeah. Here it is Sarah Decker is dealing with the trauma of an abortion, shunned by her mother and dumped by her boyfriend. She recovers at an old uh, parochial house. Unbeknownst okay, so to her, it was actually owned by the church. Yeah, is the site of a mass baby grave, and they need a mother. Um. You know, so it's but it does say, uh, you know, it's a it's a a, gra- a mass grave of unwanted babies. And I'm looking uh, at another review here that says she did go to the mag. They call it the Magdalen Laundry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's. Yep. So th- th- these would have been these would have been children that were born to teenage women, teenage girls, and basically yeah. like tossed aside or. You know. Yeah. I know. But they, I, in but Ireland, I still a think years ago they found them in like a septic tank, like a mass grave of. Yeah. And stuff, so. But I still think it's kind of like an anti-abortion um, viewpoint, which is you know fine if that, that's if that's what you believe, um, then that's what you believe. And 
I, uh, you know, I, I'm one that, you know, not getting political, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life. But I mean, this is, this might be something that people might, you know, not enjoy. It might be too heavy-handed, even though the 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 babies that are coming after her, the babies that are coming after her, it's not really the babies that are coming after her. It's like the, it's a it's a monster that is made of the babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense, they've all kind well, of. It looks come like together. a past crime that's coming back. So yeah, um. yeah. So it's like she's experiencing this because she had the abortion. So she's you know experiencing this because I don't know. I don't know. So like I said, it, it could have been a, a much better thing and it just wasn't it just i guess it was just execution and I, honestly i think this director has got some some better uh movies and he just i don't know the the um um budget maybe he wasn't there for this or something because one of the mm-hmm. worst things that you can do in a, in a movie for me low budget or not is is just have horrible sound takes me right out of it like mm-hmm. when when it, it feels like the entire movie is dubbed over because they had such horrible sound. They had to go back and, yeah. you know, or, or they just didn't have the proper movie making <laughs> microphones. And it sounds like they're in a hallway. It's all I, ADR afterwards or something. I just yeah. can't do it. I just can't do it. I don't know. So that's, that's it's, what it, I think it, of that. It keeps you from getting immersed in the story. Yes. You're constantly reminded that you're watching, you know, yeah. people in a hallway being filmed yeah uh, so uh that's what i think a decent idea uh, mediocre to poor execution so that's called the perished all righty back to you vin all right uh so i will talk about a horror comedy that did really work for me um i, I cracked up at this one this is a uh, come to daddy um <laughs> you know for uh, with elijah wood uh, did both yes. of you see this already Oh, yeah. I have so not seen it. No. Oh man. Um, yeah, check this one out, Tammy. Uh, okay. oh, wow. th- this is. I mean, I think the film moves at a great pace. Uh, it mm-hmm. kept me surprised and guessing as to where it was going next. Um, you know, Elijah Wood plays this an interesting person. <laughs> I'll say who uh, <laughs> is going to. Uh, yeah. I like him. Yeah, anyway. well, yeah, it's. Oh, he's he's actually really good in this. Um, but he. Uh, He's going to meet his father for the first time. He's in his 30s. He had gotten a letter from his father saying, hey, come and come to my remote kind of cabin in the woods <laughs> next to the ocean uh, and come see me. And uh, he shows up and it's just it, it, it's there are hilarious moments. I love the dialogue. There's these awkward situations. Oh, said so it had gosh. me laughing out loud. Um, no, this is the no type of comedy. Well, this kind of ty- type of comedy really hits me. Um, like I said, Elijah Wood, he does a great job. I think the part was actually written especially for him. Um, so they comment repeatedly on his kind eyes. <laughs> like <laughs> they're very knowing of like what Elijah Wood is like, you know, and his, his, uh, his facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, there's, there's a lot of people pretending to be something that they're not. And then having the truth come out, uh, Wood's character, you call him milk toast. He's kind of like, he kind of values superficiality in many ways. Yeah. Um, he knows Elton he, John. He knows <laughs> yeah, Elton his John. gold phone. Yeah, <laughs> I, used to, I used to drive for Elton John. Why don't you give me a call? Yeah, it's great uh-huh. seeing it. It's a wonderful <laughs> scene. Um, he's he he's into things that are turning on a surface level because you can tell he's trying to present himself in a certain way, um, and you kind of get the impression that he's kind of maybe coping with past trauma 
by doing that. Um, but the film seems to really be about like these ugly truths and then the reconciliations once they're revealed. Uh, there's a lot of good blood and gore. Um, I mean, it's not super gory, but there's when the violence happens, it's it's like you know it is bloody. It does it does kind of take the extra step. Uh, it doesn't like pull away. You know, um, there there's one scene where I, I don't want to give a spoiler, but basically a guy gets killed with a spike. And I laughed way too hard at the actor's mm. expression. Um, and I really just hope that it was meant to be funny and that I'm not a psychopath. Uh, but I, I was, I was almost belly laughs with that one. Um, but yeah, this one, I, I thought this one was hilarious. It keeps you guessing. It keeps making left turns. Um, you don't always know where it's going to go. Uh, and I really like, I, I just, I had way more fun with this one than I was actually expecting to have. Um, this was out of all the horror comedies that I watched this past week. This one was the one that was like, okay, this is my style of horror comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It was very like, um, I guess satirical. Is that what, you, is that what it would be? I, I don't I don't know. It's, it, it's it was, quirky. it was dark. It was dark humor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very dark humor. It's very situational humor. Yeah. Um, you know, but the actors really pull it off. It's the weird things that they say sometimes. Um, and the, the guy, his his dad at the beginning, what a yeah. guy. What a guy. <laughs> the rat. Yeah. You're going to find your skeleton with a rat skeleton in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Tammy, check this one out. Um, okay. I, I, I watched I, the trailer. I've meant to watch it a couple times. I see it's on Prime now. I haven't, I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah, especially it's, if you yeah, like Elijah Wood. Yeah. I do. I like him, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. You're up, Taminator. Okay. Um, I'm going to rejoin the 20th century here. Um, oh, really? I found this little, what I think is a gem on Netflix, and I had pretty much given up on Netflix, but I thought I'd kind of see what was out there the other day. Um, and this is 2018 St. Agatha. Anybody watch it? Uh, yes. I, I, I bragged about this movie all over Facebook. <gasps> you did? Yes. I must have missed that because... And I was like, nobody <laughs> likes this movie, but I loved it. <laughs> um, I loved this movie. It's definitely a slow burn. And you know what? I kept thinking the main actress girl was the girl from Happy Death Day. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever her name is, I can't think of it right now. It's not, but they could be like twin sisters. So the story is, um, in 1957, a young pregnant woman takes refuge in a home for unwed mothers run by nuns in the middle of the forest, which, okay, you got me right there. (laughs) It's like everything I like. Perfect setting. And then from the moment she gets there, things are strange. Girls start disappearing. Um, Who are these faceless nuns she sees at night? Are these women even nuns and what are their plans for the babies it's got great gore and it's got a great comeuppance ending Mm -hmm. so i don't want to say too much more because i don't want to give anything away but if you can handle a slow burn this movie is really great i have to say and it's on netflix so did you see it then yeah um i mean i I, I thought it was okay no, I mean, I, I didn't hate the film at all. I just, I, I got very frustrated with the main character from what I remember. Um, there is a little bit of a cup up but it was kind of so late in the game 
where I felt like there were opportunities to get it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just, I, I kind of felt like, it felt like the, the movie was delaying it too long, the, longer than reasonably it should have been delayed um, in order to keep like a 90 minute runtime. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was all right. Um, I thought it was an okay film, but I, I didn't love it. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, movie, it is almost two hours. It should have definitely been an hour and a half for mm-hmm. sure. I definitely like it more than than Vin. I'm I'm up yeah. around where where you're at, Tammy. I, thought, I remember you liking it more. Yeah, and I thought like it has some of the best cinematography of the year. Uh, I thought it was beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah. uh, movie to look at. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and I think I remember the score being being uh, pretty good. Yeah, there were, uh, and it was it was something that I kept saying on Facebook because like nobody was talking about it. Like, I must this have just... you talking about it. Well, I don't... No, you don't follow me. That's okay. Uh, absolutely. Yes, I do. <laughs> Did kidding. you do this recently? or? Mm, it's been a while. I mean, this that was a last year movie. Right? Last year. Yeah. 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 Last year. Yeah, that was a last year movie. So, you know, you're a little bit behind, but that's all right. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I got one, and then uh, we'll go one more time around. So anything you got okay. uh, after me, just uh, finish it up there. Um. All right, this one I watched today, right off of um, uh, the the heels of uh, what the other, what's the other one I watched today, Lake of Death, which is Lake of Death, which is a very like serious horror movie. Well, this is a, a comedy horror called Useless Humans. Have you heard of it? No. No, it sounds like a documentary. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what you got here is um, this guy who is turning 30 uh he is uh not accomplished anything in his life i mean he's got like a, a sign some sort of a scientific degree but all he's doing at the age of 30 is working at a planetarium as like a, a helper um and uh <laughs> he basically gets together every year with his group of friends there's five of them uh, to celebrate his birthday so they're gonna go out to this cabin uh and celebrate his birthday. And he's just like a lovable loser kind of guy. And once they get there, a mysterious creature crashes the party. Uh, it's basically an alien. Um, I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> uh, how even how to explain it. He looks like, um, it almost looks like a reptilian type creature, but he's got two membranes on the side of his head that light up. Uh, and he's got these big, like, praying mantis-looking eyes. And it basically, they're there to, to party, get drunk. And uh, the girl that he likes, who was one of his friends, brings along her new boyfriend. And that kind of creates some humor and some awkward situations. And then they have to basically save the world because this creature is <laughs> going to uh, destroy the world with this I don't know if it's like a bomb or something that that he's created in the book. Let me tell you, not all this comedy works. There, there's part of this that I found pretty funny. Uh, some of it is is stupid comedy. I think that um, it's very well made, but it, it knows exactly what it is. The, this creature is completely practical, uh, and it looks like a dude in a suit. <laughs> I mean, the. the the head looks really good, but then the body, I'm like, it kind of looks like a dude in a suit, um, a rubber suit. So 
it, it's not meant to be taken like completely serious, but it, it's it's uh it's still well done, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's only an hour and seventeen minutes long. Um, you know, so if if I'm not sure if this is your type of horror comedy, Vin, <laughs> but it, it's you know here here's what kind of horror comedy is. This is a creature that um, what's it called? They they jump from one place to the other. They teleport. So they're like, okay, we can kill this creature if we can stop it from teleporting. How are we going to stop it from teleporting? And and their idea is to get him drunk. <laughs> so they fill a bathtub up with liquor and they're trying to get it. You know, so that's the kind of comedy horror we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. But it was still it was still a fun watch. So useless humans. <laughs> Back up to you, Vin, and just anything so, else. Go through my got? list. Yep. Yeah. Um so another sort of horror comedy is one that uh, Scott brought up last Rotten Round Table that's uh Yummy. Uh, oh, yeah. Another Shutter film, um, mm-hmm. Belgian, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a you know a Belgian woman who uh, she wants a breast reduction. So her and her boyfriend and her mother uh, they go to this kind of shady Eastern European uh, plastic surgery hospital. <laughs> um, and it, from from what I I think I read somewhere that uh, the language that's being spoken is just made up. Um, it's not. You know, I, I first assumed maybe it was like Russian or something, but it's actually not. They just made up a language. Um, but uh, I, right from the very beginning, I'm like, okay, this might be up my alley because I love the opening sequence. Uh, and then there's a credits and you got this like these red corpse graphics with like this drumming music. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. Um, you got my attention. Uh, so, yeah, it's I like how they're in a plastic surgery hospital because they're there to generally appear more attractive and to be noticed, but then they kind of end up wanting to be invisible <laughs> once all the zombies start um, mm-hmm. and they're all hiding. Uh, you know, it's and this is a, it's it was a pretty funny film. Uh, it's but it takes the horror and the gore very seriously. Um, the gore is glorious at times. Mm-hmm. Um, the humor is it's very European, and I I'm not entirely sure what I mean by that. But there's this kind of like slapsticky situational mm-hmm. type humor that's going yeah. on. Penises get set on fire. I mean, there is so much male genital trauma this year. Yeah. Um, but this one may be the funniest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this one had me laughing pretty hard. Um, you know, but it's it's a movie. It, it puts its characters through the ringer. Nobody gets off easy. Uh, they give, but they do give each character like something distinct. They give them kind of a little scene to make them memorable before they kill them off. You don't feel like people are just anonymous and being picked off. Um, there was actually some care taken there. Uh, I like I like and I feel bad for the main guy that we're with. Mm-hmm. He keeps trying to do what's right and gets punished for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like how they try to be inventive to get out of their situations. And, you know, it's it's a film that it's always on the move. Um, yep. You feel like you're always going somewhere. You're always on to the next thing. It, it never lets up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. So, again, another horror comedy that I liked was Yummy. Um, yep. And I think you like this one, too, right, Mark? I did. Yep, really good. Have you not watched this one yet, Terminator? No, no. Get on it. You'd like this one. Get on it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's a fun ride. Um, another horror comedy. Uh, I did get around to watching Ghost Killers versus Bloody Mary. Mm, uh, again, out of Brazil. Um, it is definitely better than the title would suggest. Um, I can see why you were kind of, you know... Uh, 
taken off guard by this one, Mark, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, based on the title and everything else. Um, and this was a fun film. I mean, I felt like it was fun, but for me, it was just kind of too long. Yeah. Uh, the the runtime ended up kind of desensitizing me to the humor and even to some of the horror. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of jokes being thrown out. They don't all land. And some of the ones that do land, they kind of are carried too far where they stop being funny. Um, like having something stuck to somebody's head. Like I laughed at first, but after like 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, can we, can we get it off now? Um, you know, and it's, it's when I talk about like the subjectivity of comedy, I like comedies where I really like the characters. Uh, it's just, I connect more with those and I enjoy them more. I didn't really like a lot of these characters. So Mm -hmm. I have a hard time. You know, I, I have a hard time buying into the comedy when it's like that. I mean, I did laugh. It was still funny. But if it's surrounded by characters I don't sympathize with necessarily, I don't, I'm not as invested. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a great uh, scene with a fetus and a turd. Um, <laughs> and I really appreciated those because it kind of revived my interest level to the point, you know, at the point of the film where I felt like I was beginning to really feel the runtime. So I, I appreciated those scenes when they came in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I think that Scott said this is maybe like his number one of the year so far. Um, it's not anywhere near that for me, but I do think it's definitely worth checking out. I did enjoy it. Um, and I just got two more that I'll talk about real quick. Uh, one that I know that you liked a lot more than I ended up liking Mark. Um, and that's, I don't Tam, I don't remember if you saw this one, but uh, Gretel and Hansel. Mm-hmm. Did you see this one, Tammy? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I might be in between those two <laughs> reactions. <laughs> Come on. Uh, in between Mark's so enthusiasm bad. and Tammy's flatulence. Um, <laughs> I'm somewhere between there. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you have the, the Hansel and Gretel story. Of course, now it's Gretel and Hansel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, there's a very deliberate choice for the names, name order. Um, and it's, I think part of the reason that I didn't really connect with it, it is beautifully filmed, but it's this strange anachronistic world they put you in. Um, and I felt like it might've been better to have them go from a realistic period setting to something more mysterious when they get to the witch's house. Because I'm still in the movie, I'm still trying to adjust to the fantasy world that they're in. Um, like they're, they all of a sudden they come across like undead, and they come across these weird things. And by when we get to the witch's house, things don't actually seem weird because I'm already seeing weird stuff. Um, and the modernism of the house isn't as creepy as it could have been because there's no rules established for this fantasy world. And there's like there's weird inconsistencies. Um, like you see Gretel being suspicious of the food. Um, but not like red lights in the woods. Um, it's hard to tell in the film what's style and what's actually there, mm-hmm. uh, the way that they do it. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how many witches there are. Um, you know, it seems like there's a lot in the woods. Uh, and I was kind of confused by the end. Um, I don't know. It, it's, I, I didn't think the stuff before the witch's house worked that well. It's visually stunning, but I don't think the story was done well. Um, you know, it's, they're, they're supposed to be poor, but their house is enormous. Um, even if it's empty, like all the houses are empty for some reason. Uh, but if they were poor, they wouldn't have a building like that. Um, so I'm trying to figure out exactly how poor they are. Uh, there is, there is a feminism here that I'm, you know, I am a feminist, but it's so heavy handed in the beginning that you know where this movie's going. Um, it's, you know, they, they're, they're, there's a huge road sign for where it's going to end up. 
Um, and I think like they, that could have been handled with a little bit more grace. Um, there is kind of a, a period like purple prose that they speak in, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really come naturally out of the American accent or even either of the kids when they speak it. Um, the witch, it sounds amazing from her. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Alice Krieg as the witch, she is the, she is the reason to watch it. I mean, I her like acting. Her. Uh, what's that, Tammy? I said I really like her. Yeah. I mean, her acting, the way she delivers the lines, her design, that stuff is stellar. Um, but I, I really wasn't impressed by even like Sophia Lillis and the kid. I thought they were kind of stilted. Um, then language didn't come naturally out of them. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, good score, good cinematography. I just wasn't crazy about a lot of the screenplay and the voiceover. I didn't think they needed. I don't know. Uh, I felt like if like the witch was like a finely tuned violin with its approach to what it was doing, this one felt like a gong uh, in how it was approaching it. Um, <laughs> So again, I <laughs> I didn't hate the film, uh, but I, I I wasn't I wasn't entirely impressed with it. Visually stunning, but that only gets me so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my last one, unless anybody wants to chime in. No, go right ahead. No. Okay, I'm finishing it off with I rewatched The Burning, uh, 1981, you know, classic slasher, uh, and I, I rewatched this because I had seen it before, but I'd seen it on television where most of the gore was cut out mm-hmm. and I had seen the gore like separately. I hadn't watched it together, <laughs> you know, the way it was meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first time I saw it, I was less forgiving of it because I was also less forgiving of slashers back then, you know, when I saw it many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, without seeing the gore in it, it just comes out like a poorly made mo- movie, um, which, which it is, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, that, that's okay sometimes for these kind of films. Um, yeah. It's not great filmmaking, but it's mildly entertaining where it's runtime. you got a lot of aggressively horny males, um, you know, it's Jason Alexander's first movie. Um, and yeah. he is actually a standout talent in this. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that he was maybe, you know, the, almost a main character. Yep. Uh, and I like how there's actually a lot of campers in this. This is a, this is, you know, that you're, this is like a pro, it's like a quintessential, um, camper slasher, you know, yeah. aside from Friday the 13th. I mean, you've got this, the Cropsy legend, um, who is supposedly a, a caretaker, a groundskeeper or something who, uh, some boy, I guess he was cruel and some boys tried to play a prank on him and he ended up catching on fire and he comes back like, like, what, like 12 years later or 10 years later or something mm-hmm. like that. And I don't know, it might be less than that. I don't remember exactly. And starts, uh, of course, killing off campers with like garden shears. Um, but you know, it's, there's a lot of campers and even though most of them look like they're in their twenties. Um, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't always tell the counselors from the, the campers. Uh, yeah. I was surprised sometimes about who was telling who, what to do. Um, but yeah, of course the gore is why you go. <laughs> uh, and most though, not all of Tom Savini's work holds up. Um, you know, it's, there's the great finger chop, uh, mm-hmm. that's probably the best scene in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, the wrath massacre is really the set piece, but honestly, the last half hour after that is a little bit of a slog. Um, I don't feel like there's b- tension being built and doesn't really culminate into an exciting chase or anything. There's not a lot of momentum to the film, but you know, I, I it's, it's, it's a perfectly fine 80 slasher. That's entertaining for what it is. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, slashers are not my, my favorite subgenre, but, uh, this one is entertaining for what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a ripoff of Friday 13th. Oh yeah. You know, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's fun enough. It's fun enough. Yeah. All right. Terminator. All right. 
Um, let's see. I will do the 2019 Filipino horror movie on Netflix called Eerie. Mm-hmm. Did you loved see it? it? Again, mm-hmm. loved it. Yeah, I watched that one. Loved oh. it. This is the one. This is the one with the uh, the girl in, in the school in the bathroom. Yep, with the guidance counselor and yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when a student suicide rattles an all-girls school, and you know I love me an all-girls school, a clairvoyant guidance counselor consults with the ghosts. Uh, she finds at the school to uncover the, this convent's abusive past, um, and it's just—it's got a great ending. A little bit of kind of almost like a M Night Shyamalan ending. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really, really good. It is in Tagalog. Um, one of the, so, you know, you got to be okay with subtitles. It has some really great, creepy, religious imagery in it. Um, there's one scene where the uh, guidance counselor goes into this, like, storage room of the church, and it's full of all these statues that are just covered with sheets. So you're just waiting for a jump scare. I'm not even going to tell you if one comes or not, but I'm, that's one of those scenes I like watching with one eye <laughs> because <Yep. laughs> I just knew at any moment, one of these is, you know, got to come to life and scare the crap out of me. Um, I, let's see. I also watched the 2003 TV movie diary of Ellen Rimbauer, which is a prequel to the Stephen King movie or miniseries Rose red. You guys, any of you see either of those? I've not. Yeah. So um, this was written by, let's see, uh, Ridley Pearson, who is, it was written in collaboration with Stephen King. He plays, Stephen King has a rock band called the Rock Bottom Remainders, and this is one of the guys that's in his band. And they kind of co-wrote the story together. And then um, Stephen King kind of was, helped him write the screenplay, I guess. And so this revolves around, this kind of has a little bit of the Winchester Mansion, a um, little bit of H.H. Holmes. Um, it takes place at the turn of the century, the 18, or, you know, the 1800s to the 1900s, that turn mm-hmm. of the century. Um, and it evolves around the construction of the Rimbauer Mansion, which, where people just repeatedly disappear from the house. Um Alan, who is the mistress of the house, has a touch of the shine and the house like speaks to her and it's like, you've got to, you can never stop building me, but like everybody just keeps disappearing. I mean, even her own children are disappearing. However, she knows her husband, this is where the kind of like H.H. Holmes thing comes in a little. Her husband has all these like secret passages built into the house and she sees him bringing women in at night and then never sees the women again. So is he doing it? Is, it? is the house doing it? You have to watch and find out. Um, a, yeah. Is that... It was a made-for-TV movie. It wasn't a miniseries, though, right? It was only no, just a, a regular movie. No, that one was... That was just a straight-up movie that... Um, I was kind of researching a little that ABC played in that year, whatever year I said, during Sweeps Week, back when they used to do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's like a prequel to Rose Red. So the house, you know, kind of... Pit, Rose Red kind of picks up where this one ends. Okay. Um, and then me, who's... Like I said, I've been watching HBO Max to death. And they carry their stuff on there from other countries. And there is a series of movies from eight different Asian countries. And I watched the one from Korea. 
and it's called Mong Dal, M-O-N-G-D-A-L. So this is in Korean. Um, so you, again, you got to be okay with the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in Korea, a troubled teenager, Dong Ju, struggles to fit into society and his school. We soon, we soon learn he is a complete sociopath. Uh, he is also the principal's only child, and she is very enabling. Um, so he falls in love with this girl named Si Woo, who, like everyone else, is afraid of him. And he comes to realize, okay, so you guys ever seen those, like, I don't know if, I don't know if you really call them sex dolls, but those dolls from Asia that really look like real women that some guys, like, say they're married. There's, like, shows on TLC about this. Lars and the real girl. Yeah, I. I, Well, they they look. I mean, they really look like real people. Well, he's got this doll that looks like this girl that he's in love with, and he finally comes to the realization: okay, she's never going to have anything to do with me. So he kills himself, Mm. and there is a. So the folklore here is: if you kill yourself and you're a male and you're a a virgin, you can come back as a Hmong doll. And so his mom goes, M-O-N-G-D-A-L. So he starts appearing to his mom, and so she goes and seeks, like, the advice of a holy person. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's definitely turned into a Hmong doll. What you have to do is you have to go dig up a female virgin body, and then they have to, like, consummate it, and then they can both rest in peace. So she goes and di- she finds some girl who like died recently, digs up the body, and, and they do the ceremony or whatever. Well, Dongju is not happy with this girl. He wants uh, the girl that he was in love with in school that you know made him kill himself. So now his mom, I don't want to give too much away, but then it's his mom tries to fulfill that wish for him. And yeah, uh, is this part uh, of a series? Yes, it's so it's eight, eight eight different each from a different country in Asia, and based on some folklore, folklore, folklore. okay, yeah, it's called folklore. Yep, Um, that's the only one that I've watched so far. Um, And I have to put a disclaimer on here: the reason I am so behind is I just moved. I didn't even have a TV for like a week and a half, so I'm trying to get caught up. All right, not accepting (laughs) any excuses. I know I am sucking so bad. All right, um, I did rewatch the original Stepford Wives from 1975, which I'm, I'm going to yeah. assume you both have seen. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's so so good. And please do not, if you have not seen it, do not compare it to that horrible remake with Nicole Kidman. It has nothing to do with that. Um, this is it's a very feminist movie. So Joanna Eberhardt. And her family moved from the big city to Stepford, Connecticut. Those Connecticut, those crazy Connecticuts, um, where she soon discovers that there is a sinister truth behind the all-too-perfect behavior of the female residents. And that is it for me. Um, with my job, I can like watch stuff while I'm work working, and it gets like maybe half my attention. And lately, I've been rewatching. In the 1990s, they remade Outer Limits. Yeah. And I've been playing those while I work, and those are very entertaining. So they're free on Prime if you're just looking for something to watch. And that, that is it for me. If you um, like that sort of thing, um, watch Netflix's uh, remake of Lost in Space. 
My son, t- my older son, told me to watch that, and I haven't watched that either because I hated the movie. Oh no, it has nothing to do with the movie. It's really good. Okay. It's really good. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to run down what I got here. Um, I would say that what I watched that I would recommend still, I rewatched. Uh, this one just came out. I believe Scream Factory did a special edition of it not too long ago, and you can rent it for 99 cents on Amazon. It's Edge of the Axe. Have you guys seen this? No. No. Oh, come on. It's uh, from 88. It's like a, a slasher. <laughs> what? I said, you come on. <laughs> no, you come on. Uh, from 1988, it's a Spanish uh, slasher film, but it's in English. Like, it's weird. Like, um, the writer-director is Spanish, and I'm not sure. I don't. It doesn't look like there's any dubbing at all. I mean, some of it uh, was filmed in California. I'm not sure exactly what the uh the deal uh, of that is but this is uh this is a slasher like a mystery type thing there's this axe wielding maniac that is um uh, attacking mostly ladies in the northern california town and he's got this it's almost like a a full like Ma- like white mask it's got no mouth it's it looks like it's almost like paper mache it's it's pretty creepy um it's not gonna have like some of the crazy um gore like some of the 80s slashers would have i don't think tom savini was anywhere near this but <laughs> what it does have is some brutality like this guy attacks these women with this axe and like they show the axe like you know he'll he'll just like hit him with the axe like over and over again in the back and in the chest and there's not any like real like, you don't you don't see the axe going in but it's just you know there's blood coming out and you see it's it's just a very um brutal they're very brutal attacks um but uh it's kind of neat because uh, there are uh two teenagers i guess they're teenagers they're, they're supposed to be teenagers right they're always supposed to be teenagers but they're they're played by probably somebody who's 28 and they're trying to track down who this is in, in this town and and there's like uh, some computer um program they're running to try to make this uh uh mystery solve and, and there's a twist at the end it it's a really it's kind of like a, a forgotten slasher um but then again it's not it, there's so much uh giallo kind of influence in it it, it kind of reminds me of uh this is a much 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 better movie but torso you ever seen torso mm-hmm. torso is is uh, you could consider it a slasher, I guess, but it's more giallo. This is kind of, you know, in the middle there. Uh, it, it's not, it, you, you'll enjoy it because it's got a little bit of a mystery to it. The killer is, is, is cool looking, but don't go in expecting like the Prowler or Friday the 13th or those sorts of um, gore tricks because they, they don't have any of them in this. So, um, I rented a movie called Homewrecker on iTunes, and I rented this because it stars Alex Esso. Uh, you guys know who she is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let, let's just say this. I, 
I thought she was an up and coming star when she starred in Starry Eyes. Yeah. And then she was in another movie called. Um, oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, hold on. Fashionista. Fashionista. That was really good. And then, of course, she played um, Shelley Duvall's part uh, in Dr. Sleep. And mm-hmm. she did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, she's maybe she's on her way up. Well, last year she was in some crappy uh, horror film called uh, The Drone that was supposed to be funny, and it just wasn't. And this is uh, about... This girl, played by Alex Esso, who meets uh, an older woman at the gym, and this older woman is kind of like a clingy type person, and she invites her to her house to look at, um, uh, because Alex Esso is an interior designer, and she says, come over to my house, I want you to design my house, uh, the interior. So she goes over, and then when she tries to leave, the lady is so clingy, uh, she hits her over the head knocks her out and locks her in a room. It's almost like you're going to be my friend. Like everybody leaves. Nobody wants to stay and no one wants to be my friend or whatever. She's, she's psychotic, but the movie just, it's an hour and 15 minutes long. It feels like a short film that should not have been made into a, a feature length film. Uh, there's really not much going on. Um, there's no gore or any practical effects to speak of. Uh, it's just kind of blah. And I was really, really disappointed in it because it could have been, that could have been a really good premise for a movie. Uh, and they just, I don't know what, uh, I feel like Alex Esso, like maybe owed somebody a favor, uh, and and did this, um, because it, it seems like it's completely, in the opposite direction of where her career was going. So I'm not sure. So Homewrecker, I rented it on iTunes. Just steer clear of it. It's not very good at all. Um, and then I've got a couple. That's um, good. Hmm? I was going to say, I said that's what I was. Hoping. Say that again. I can't hear you. Open. You were going to. I said that sounded good. I was hoping you were going to say it was good. Nope. No, no, no. Uh, and then I just got a pile of crap here. Uh, bear with me. Uh, a movie called Browse, pile of crap. Uh, a movie called Evil Little Things, which is a low-budget, two-story anthology with a wraparound. It's trying to be a mix of Leprechaun meets Child's Play, and it stinks. Um, what comes around goes around is a low-budget Aussie, you know, Australian mystery horror. Eh, sorry, but it can be left on the pile of crap. A uh, movie called Walk Away, Masked Mutilator, uh, Coven, <laughs> super low budget witch film, not any good. And then uh, the last one is called Dark Harbor. And that's on Tubi. It's a well made film, it's got some. Uh, uh, Actors you might know, it's got a, a small part by Joel McHale, which who I like, but it's more of a thriller, um, like a going back home to face your uh, family secrets type of 
mystery thriller more than a horror. But I just wanted to give it a mention. So it's not necessarily on the pile of crap, but it's just not one that I'm going to give a full review to here. So, uh, yeah, so I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, I've been watching a ton of stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, – there's some good stuff supposed to be releasing here in, in the end of July and August. So I hope we get some more stuff. Even though we're not getting to the theaters, hopefully we can get some – vod and streaming stuff so all right well let's go ahead and give our plugs and get on out of here it's been a while we've been yammering away vin <laughs> where can people find you you can find me on facebook as a vin Horrorcast. my horror blog is the com, and my other blog is scabs and other things.wordpress.com where i just kind of write about other stuff very nice terminator i love I love that title, Vin, by the way. That is so clever. Um, (laughs) Anytime. Uh, You can just find me on our Facebook page or on my pages, my own self. All right. You can uh, (laughs) check me out on my Facebook page, Mark Nato. You can check me out on our Facebook page for the Horror Cast, which is a group, if you ask nicely, we'll let you in. And uh, you can email me at uh, TrumpRallyRube at gmail.com. Uh, you can email the podcast at AskTheHorrorCast at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at the HCast, or you can uh, follow us on Instagram, the HorrorCast, and keep abreast of what we're doing here. Uh, next week, we will be uh, doing some crocodile alligator horror will be um doing alligator from 1980 i believe and crawl which just came out last year so we're going to do a little theme there and um yeah there's an you know there's another um movie that's supposed to be coming out it's called the pool have you seen that it's uh i believe it's, it's either indonesian or something but it's a guy gets trapped in a swimming pool with uh with a, a crocodile or alligator yeah, it's supposed to be really good. So, uh, just wanted to bring that up. I don't know why. Thought I would. So, we'll see you on episode 95. And uh, thanks for listening to the horror cast where it's all killer, no filler. Stay scared. <laughs>